Luke 23, beginning at verse 32, says, And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If, he, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And the, and the superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And we'll stop reading right there. So again, here we have uh, Jesus on the cross. We know that uh, these men were, were thieves as per the scripture. Now, I've heard that... Uh, uh, I've heard that it couldn't have been thieves that were hanging there because uh, thieves were not crucified for their crime. Well, folks, my Bible says it was two thieves. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just stick with the fact that it was two thieves. If that's what the Word of God says that it was, then I believe that's what it was. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, in Luke's gospel here, he says malefactors, people uh, that were uh, that were escaped to society, people uh, uh, people that had committed some crime in one way, shape, form, or fashion, uh, uh, were hanging there on each side, uh, on either side of Jesus. And we know from the book of Isaiah that the, that the suffering servant would be numbered among the transgressors, and he was indeed here on Calvary's hill, numbered among the transgressors but uh, as we as we approach toward the end of this passage of scripture we see a, a conversation take place between the three that were there upon the cross the one in the middle and the two on either side it says that one of them railed on Jesus saying if you're who you say you are if you are indeed the son of the living God if you are indeed Messiah come in the flesh save yourself and save us now folks Matthew and Mark's account doesn't have the next uh, the next little bit in it. All it says is that there were two thieves hanging on either side of Jesus and they both railed on Jesus. They both spoke badly in the direction of Jesus. We don't have what Luke has here in his account. But I think Luke has the accurate account here. I think that in those six hours that my Savior was hanging on that cross, I think that there were more than one 
conversation that took place. I think that there were things said, there were things heard, there were things felt, there were all kinds of things that were going on during the six hours that my Savior was hanging upon a cross. And I believe that as the hour came down and this malefactor knew that his death time was at hand, that he wouldn't be hanging there overnight. He wouldn't hang there till in the evening. He knew that they were going to come by. They would break his legs so that he would suffocate and asphyxiate in his own blood. He knew that this time was coming and he saw the inscription that would have been above Jesus Christ. He saw that this was indeed the king of the Jews. And don't you think for one moment that those men didn't know the day before that they would be crucified the day that they were. Don't you think for one second that they didn't know there was a man named Barabbas that was supposed to be hanging there with them on a tree. Don't you think for a second that these things were not so. This man, this one that looked at Jesus and said, when thou come into thy kingdom, remember me. He would have known all of these things. He would have been aware of what was going on, what was about to go on, and what would go on. And he asked Jesus, remember me. Hallelujah. He was able to look past that bloody mess that was there on that cross. He was able to look past all the blood, all the guts, all the gore. Folks, the Bible says there was no beauty to be desired in him. The Bible says, uh, the Bible does not give a, a, a very detailed account of what our Savior would have looked like. But folks, he had been whipped. He had had the flesh yanked from his back. He had been beat by the Roman soldiers. He had had his beard not cut off. It was yanked out of his face. Not just one or two hairs at a time. They would have been getting handfuls and pulling his beard out of his face. They had, they had mocked him. They had beat him in the face. Hey, at one point, they blindfolded him and they smited, smited him and they said, prophesy unto us who smited thee. Hey, folks, he would have been nothing but a bloody hulking mess there on that cross but this malefactor that was hanging on the other side of him was able to look past all that he was able to look past the blood he was able to look past how tired Jesus was how much he was suffering he was able to see beyond all of that and to see his only opportunity for salvation hey folks when I got saved I had to look past everything I'd ever know and see salvation that was only in Jesus Christ. And when Jesus saved me, my goodness, my goodness, I, I guarantee you, I felt a lot like this thief on the cross. I felt a lot like this malefactor. It wasn't a deathbed confession for me, no. I'm still here. I'm still going. But folks, nevertheless, that was a time in my life I will not forget. But what were his words to Jesus? He said, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. Folks, what was he afraid of? 
What was he afraid of? He was afraid because he was looking at it from the human perspective. He was looking at it from your perspective and from mine. He was afraid that once Jesus got back to glory, he was afraid once he walked back into back into the Father's house and he took up his residence back on the long side of the Father. He was afraid of these things. Once he done that, he was afraid he'd forget all about this thief that was on the cross. He'd forget all about his, his time here on earth. Hey folks, this shows me that he didn't completely understand the mission of Jesus Christ. He didn't completely understand exactly who Jesus Christ was, what he was was here for or anything else to the matter but he understood enough and he had enough faith to be saved that day while he hung there upon a cross he had enough faith to say my God when you get into glory remember me he he was afraid Jesus would forget him folks you flip you flip from here all the way back to Genesis From here all the way back to Genesis, you read about a man named Joseph, wrongly thrown into prison, falsely accused of trying to rape Potiphar's wife, Mm -hmm. and he was thrown into the prisons. And while he was there, he came to uh, the uh, it came to pass that Pharaoh's baker and Pharaoh's butler got thrown down there with them. They had some dreams. Mm -hmm. And Joseph interpreted their dreams for them while they were down there in that prison. He didn't have a very good interpretation for the baker. He said, you're going to be killed. You're going to die. But the butler, he said, you're going to be restored back to your position. You're going to be restored back to that which you what you did do. But he asked him, or he asked him, he said, when you get out there, remember me. Remember, hey, throw a good word in for me whenever you get back uh, up out of this prison. Hey, tell Pharaoh, I'm really not that bad of a guy. Remember me when you go. But folks, when the butler went up, hey, he forgot all about Joseph down there. It wasn't until Pharaoh had some dreams of his own that the butler said, hey, I recall this little Jewish boy that was down down there in the prisons. I recall this one that was over the things at Potiphar's house. I recall that he was able to interpret dreams. Hey, God's got a time for everyone to make themselves known or for him to make them known. God's got a time to bring us up out of the prison. God's got a time to let our talent show. God's got a time for it all. He had a time for Joseph and he had a time for this malefactor that was hanging on a cross with my Savior. Amen. God's got a time for it all. Yeah. That, ba- or that butler, he didn't remember Joseph. Uh-huh. Folks, what does Jesus say? We're in Luke 23 right now. If you flip back one chapter, just one chapter in the same gospel, you'll find the Last Supper. And you'll find where Jesus broke bread yeah. with the disciples he had been traveling with for over three years. These men that should have known him better than anyone else did. And he said, hey, when he broke bread, he said, this is my body. This is my body. It's being broken. It's being given for you. Take, eat. This is my flesh. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. 
In remembrance of me, you need to do this. Folks, how could we forget our Savior? Why would Jesus feel it necessary to give them uh, to give them a ritual or a religious ceremony of some kind to go through to remember? I'll tell you why. Because those disciples are no different than me and they are no different than you. We walk through this life and the world catches our attention. We walk here or there. We go to work. We go to school. We go to wherever and something else will grab our attention. Before you know it, we have forgotten who our Savior is. Jesus said, you do this in remembrance of me because he knew sooner or later the disciples would forget him. Amen. Don't take my word for it. Yeah. Read John chapter 21. Mm. The angel told the disciples, he said, after the, after the, after the resurrection and everything, the angel told the disciples, go to Galilee. He'll meet you there. Go to Galilee. That's where he's going to meet you all. That's what he told you before. Hey, he ain't going back on his word now. Go to Galilee. They went to Galilee. They waited around a little while. Next thing you know, Peter says, I go a fishing. I'm tired of waiting around here. I'm tired of waiting on Jesus to show up. And the rest of them followed him. There were seven men out there on that lake that were fishing. They had done for God the promises that Jesus Christ had spoke to them, that the angel had spoke to them. They had already given up. Shame on them and shame on us. Shame on me for forgetting about my Jesus. How could I forget him? Oh, she saved my soul. He saved my soul from a well-deserved hell. Uh, from a hell that I deserve. Every, I deserve every flame, every ounce, every bit of pain, every bit of torment. I deserve everything that Jesus Christ suffered on the cross plus eternal hell forevermore. I deserve these things. He saved me from those things. How could I forget my Savior? But yet, He had to tell the disciples. He had to tell them, do this. Do this and remember to me. You've turned over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> and Paul, talking about communion supper, talking about the drinking of the wine and the eating of the bread, talking about these things. And he quotes Jesus. He quotes Jesus. Folks, as far as the scriptural account goes, Paul never spent one minute with Jesus Christ. I mean, while he was here in his earthly ministry, he never did. Now, Paul was taught of Jesus Christ after everything was said and done. And the scripture backs that up. The scripture explicitly says that. But while Jesus Christ was here, when he was having that last supper with those disciples, Paul was not there. But he quotes what Jesus said. This do in remembrance of me. This thief, this malefactor, this one that said, that, that told the other, he said, you and I, we deserve what we're getting. You and I deserve this, but this man's done nothing amiss. He said, remember me. Don't forget me, Jesus. Hey, folks, I'm glad. I'm tickled pink to tell you when my sins were forgiven, they were cast into the sea of forgetfulness. If there is something to be forgotten, it's my sins that, that Almighty God has forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ. If there's anything to be forgotten, that's what it is. God doesn't forget my name. He doesn't, he doesn't forget who I am. He doesn't forget that He saved me. And I'll tell you why God Almighty doesn't forget that. Because I've got an intercessor and I've got a mediator sitting at His right hand. That's the same 
one that this malefactor was screaming to that day upon the cross. I've got the same mediator saying, Lord, Father, this is one of mine. This is one that I died for. This is one that accepted me, has been washed in my blood. I haven't forgotten him. I remember him. Lord, this is one that is mine. Hallelujah. I've got the same intercessor. The same one. Folks, I don't think you forgot this man here. Now he said, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Where'd Jesus go when he died? He went into paradise. He went into the heart of the earth. Did he not? Is that what the scripture tells us? That's where paradise was. Hey, listen. Hell, Hades, whatever you want to call it in the scriptures. The Hebrew was Sheol, whatever you want to call it. That and paradise were not so far apart. Hey, folks, there's, I understand there was a great gulf fixed between the two of them in the, in the, in the uh, parable that Jesus spoke in Luke 15 of the rich man and Lazarus. I understand that. But the rich man was able to see in the paradise he was able to see everything that was going on he was able to talk unto Abraham he was able to do all these things but folks I tell you now hell and heaven is a far cry from what hell and paradise was when the Bible says rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord hallelujah when I get up there I don't think I'm going to have one glimpse into hell hey it would be impossible for me to have eternal bliss and eternal happiness if that were the case. But I think that everybody in hell is going to know what's going on in heaven. And that's going to be part of the torture. Yeah. That's going to be part of their torture. <clears throat> I think they'll see. I think they'll know. I think they'll hear every sermon they ever heard preached. I think they'll hear the name Jesus Christ. I think they'll hear about the blood. I think they'll hear the gospel. Every time in their life they ever heard it preached, ever heard it presented, every time they ever heard mommy say, son, let's get ready and go to church. And the son in his teenage years said, no, mama, I don't think I'm going to go this time. I'm tired of hearing that preacher spitting slobber and scream about this man, Jesus. I think these things will ring in their ears for, the re for all their time in hell, for all of eternity. I think that will be part of the of the suffering that they will have but folks that's not even the worst part of it the worst part is that hell uh, is a real place it is a place of torment of outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth but the worst part of hell is there is no hope to ever escape that place it is a Christless place and without Christ's presence we are without hope this, this man here the one malefactor said remember me Remember me. Folks, he thought Jesus was going to forget. That's why he said what he did. He thought that when Jesus, after, he, after all was said and done, now folks, his, his very words are confirmation that he thought that Jesus was Messiah, that he thought he was the promised seed of David. And it's also proof that, that, that the, this man here was a Jew because they broke his legs. If he had been a Gentile hanging up there, they'd have let him hang up there all weekend. Oh, yeah. But the Jews and their laws were not allowed to have someone hanging on the Sabbath day. That was forbidden. Yeah. That was forbidden in the, in the Levitical law, in the, in the Mosaical law. So the Romans, to appease the Jews, 
If it happened on a Thursday or a Friday, and whoever it was, if they were still alive, they would break their legs and they, to kill them before Sabbath began at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. So that shows me that both of these men here were Jews. Folks, the, different, the thing is, both of these men, according to Scripture, both of them were guilty of the same crime. Both of them were guilty of being thieves. They stole something. I don't know what it was. Scripture doesn't tell us. But they had been tried. The first they had been accused. They had been tried. They had been found guilty. And they had been sentenced. All on the same crime. But folks. One of them here believed Jesus. And when he said that. Remember me. Jesus said that today. Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. One of the most amazing things about this whole account, and and, and I preach this at funerals, is that this was a king hanging on a cross. This was King Jesus. He had the superscription above his head. This is Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. It depends on which account you read it, what it said. But either way, it specified him as King of the Jews. He was a king. When kings went into battle and they won, what did they come back to town doing? They come back to downtown parading their prisoners of war around. They would say, I've caught this one. And, and if the, the king of whatever town or country that it was, if they caught him alive, that was the prize jewel there. They would come back. That king would be on his knees. He would be hogtied and sitting straight up against a stake. And they would parade him around the towns of whatever country that this king was coming back to. But my king, when he came here and he was on that cross suffering and bleeding and dying. Hey, what did he take out of here with him? He didn't take another king. He didn't take another army. He didn't take a weapon. The man took nothing more than a low life, good for nothing thief that the Roman government had deemed was not fit to live on this earth anymore. My king, King Jesus, he came here. He didn't come here for the kings. He didn't come here for the prestigious. He didn't come here for the religious elite. I understand he came for all, but the Bible says that the publicans and the harlots would enter into the kingdom before the Pharisees and the scribes and all of these others would enter in. My king came for those that would accept him. When he left out of here, when he went to paradise, he took a reject from this world with him. Hallelujah. If you're sitting in here saved and born again right now, you are nothing more than a reject. And you've been rejected by the world because of your affiliation with Jesus Christ. It ain't nothing to do with who you are or what you've done. It is everything to do with who my Savior is and what He has done. It is everything to do with Jesus Christ. Nothing to do with us. He said, remember me. Remember me. And the cross did that. Christ remembered a lowly, good-for-nothing thief, a good-for-nothing person. Like I said, Rome, the most powerful government in the world at this time, had, had, hadn't even seen fit that he should live anymore. They saw it fit that he should be crucified. My Jesus said, you're going to live, and you're going to have life, and you're going to have it more abundantly. And you're going to be in paradise with me this day. You'll have life and life eternal. 
Hey, Jesus Christ said himself in John chapter 5, he said, if we believe in the words that he said, if we believe and we believe in the one that sent him and we believe in God the Father and we believe in the words that Jesus Christ said he said any man that does this hath eternal life hey folks that's present tense at the moment of salvation we obtain eternal life I don't have to wait till I die to get it I've got it dwelling inside me right now Jesus said that he is the life Jesus said he was the resurrection and bless God he is the resurrection in him was the light of men in him was the light of love he is love and he is love more abundantly when I got Jesus and I got saved I got love eternal hallelujah praise God this thief this good for nothing person here we're reading about he wasn't no different than me I was just as good for nothing as he was oh yeah before I was saved. And the only thing that makes me worth anything now is Jesus Christ. That is all that makes me worth anything is Jesus Christ. I've preached and taught it before. If you take the materials that you're, that you're concocted out of, you take the clay, you take the iron, you take the magnesium, you take the sulfate, you take the salt, you take all of these things that compose your body and you break them down, you're worth less than $2. Less than $2. Less than $2 I'm worth. But Jesus Christ came and died for me. Something that was worth less than $2 by the world's standards. They folks that have been the world's eyes, I ain't worth a whole lot. When I was lost, the world thought that I was great. They thought that I was grand. They thought I was a fine person. But when I got saved, hey, the world rejected me. The world hated my guts because Jesus Christ said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. You will be revived of all men for my name's sake is what the man said. Therefore, if the world hates you, praise God for it. That means you're one of his. When the world rejects you, praise God for it. Give an, give an extra hallelujah to, unto God if the world hates your guts because that's a good sign that you're a child of the king. You're a child. You're, you're chosen. You are part of the elect. Praise God when the world hates me. I have no other choice but to praise God for it because I certainly ain't going back to the world. They have nothing to offer me. This thief here, hey folks, this, uh, this whole account here, it blows a works-based salvation straight out of the water this man obtained salvation here. The one that asked Jesus to remember him. His hands were nailed to a cross. His feet were nailed to a cross. He could do no works for his salvation. This was pure grace from Jesus Christ. It's a grace-based salvation. I can't do nothing to be saved. I can't do nothing to stay saved. I can't do nothing to get home one of these days. Salvation is of the Lord, and the Lord is salvation. Period. Period. If you have works, it's because you're saved. Not to keep you saved or to get you saved. This man could do no works. It was impossible for him to do that. Not only that, the folks, <coughs> before he believed, <coughs> before he believed, he was dead. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And this was Paul. 
a Pharisee of the Pharisee, a Jew of the Jews, of the stock of Benjamin, sat under the feet of Gamaliel, the greatest Jewish teacher of that time. He said, I count all these things for dumb, but to know Christ. To know Christ. This thief, he was dead in his trespasses and sins. Folks, dead people can't do anything. They lay there or they hang there in this case. When you were were dead in your trespasses and your sins, you could do nothing to bring God to you. You couldn't shout. You couldn't throw a hand up. You You couldn't wave your hands. You couldn't do jumping jacks. You could do nothing to get God's attention. God had to look down and see you floating in that cesspool of filth that you were in. And He had to say, Hey, there's one of mine. I'm going down there to rescue them. They're unable to move on their own. They're not even breathing down there in that. Why weren't we breathing? Because we were dead in our trespasses and sin. This man here was about to die a physical death. But little did he know just six hours before this that he was about to obtain life and obtain an eternal immortal life with Jesus Christ I'd say if he would have known that six hours before this happened he would have probably went up Calvary's hill whistling Hey, folks, I'm persuaded there ain't no Bible to back it up there ain't no church history to back it up or nothing else I'm persuaded that Paul was smiling on his way to Nero's chop block you think of what Paul had suffered and Jesus said it would be that way. Hey, in the book of Acts, he said, I've got to show him what things he must suffer for my name's sake. He, Paul was shown that he would suffer. The man was shipwrecked more than once. The man was beat and whipped more than once. The man was marooned uh, on these occasions. He was mocked. He was beat. He was stoned and left for dead. Hey, the man had a ministry of suffering. Don't you think for a second when he wrote to Timothy and said, hey, I finished the course. I finished my race. I've kept the faith. I'm going home to my Jesus. He said to the thief on the cross, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I'm going to be my Lord today. I think he had a grin a mile wide on his way to that chopping block. If he was sad, if there was any tinge of of saddening in Paul, it was because he knew he wouldn't be here to preach anymore. I've heard it said, Brother Delbert Gillette, I heard him say it one time. He said, I want my kids to get saved. Him and Martha's got three, I won't say youngins, they're all in their 30s. But they've got youngins. they got children. He said, I won't see them all saved yet. He said, my concern is when I die, there'll be nobody left to pray for them. That was his concern for his children. He wasn't as, as, as fixed on going to see his Jesus. And I have no doubt in my, in my mind, in my heart, Delbert's a born-again child of God. But he wasn't so fixed on that as he was worried about his children. Yeah. What did this man here on the cross do? When the, when the other one said, If you're indeed the Christ, get us off here and yourself. What did the one that asked him, not to, or that asked him to remember him say? He testified to him. He said, this man's done nothing amiss. You and I deserve what we're getting. That was a testimony. 
Now, folks, this was a deathbed confession. It was a deathbed salvation, if ever there was one, for this one hanging here on the cross. But he still had enough time to testify of Jesus Christ. He still had enough time to testify. Hey, he's never had gal found in his mouth. He's never done anything amiss. He hasn't stole. He hasn't lied. He hasn't caused insurrection against the Roman government. He hasn't murdered. He has done none of these things. This man testified on his deathbed of the goodness of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And here we are in a lot better shape than what this fellow was. I guarantee you this man on the cross, the one that said remember me, he was having the absolute worst day of his life Mm -hmm. hanging there on that cross. But yet he was still able to testify. He was still able to talk about the goodness of God Mm -hmm. and the goodness of Jesus Christ. And the, and, and the unblemished state of this Lamb of God that was there on that cross. Here we are in a whole lot better health than what he was at this time. And we have a hard time with it. Shame on us. We have a hard time talking about the goodness of Jesus Christ with other people. We have a hard time for whatever reason. When God lays it on our heart, hey, witness about me. Tell this one about me. Tell that cashier. Tell that, tell that bus boy. Tell whoever it is. Tell them about me. Tell them how good I've been to you. Right. Oh, Lord, they, might not, they just might not want to hear that. Shame on us. Shame on us. And I've been guilty of it. I have. And if you're honest with yourself, you have too. We've all been guilty of it. We, we fuss about Judas selling Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. You've sold them out for a lot less than I have too. Every one of us has. Every one of us at some point in our Christian walk have sold him for less than 30 pieces of silver. Every one of us are guilty of that. But Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, Today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now folks, I have read and, and I have heard it preached. I've heard it taught. I've taught it and preached it myself. The day is some weird ideas about this entire account that are out there you be cautious of those ideas if it don't sound like it matches up with scripture it probably don't i have heard uh, i said uh, first getting into this i have heard that this man obtained his salvation the one that said remember me when you come into your kingdom i've heard this man obtained his salvation because mary stood between him the thief and Jesus, she stood in the middle and she obtained his salvation for him. Mm-hmm. Now, I bet you can't guess what kind of commentary that came out of. <laughs> I've heard that. I have heard that as the day went on, like I said, they were six hours on those crosses. There Jesus, we know for certain Jesus was six hours on his and we can assume uh, with fairly, fairly good certainty that the other two were six hours as well. But there were six hours passed in that day. I've heard that as the sun moved around, the shadow of Jesus cast itself on that thief. And that's what caused him to repent. Folks, what happened to believe and repent? Yeah, really. What happened to, to, to just follow what the word of God says? Jesus said it himself. 
When his ministry first began in the Gospel of Mark and in the Gospel of Matthew, it is recorded. Jesus said, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Folks, that's what it takes for this thing. That's what it takes for salvation. It'll take belief in Jesus Christ, and it'll take repentance of your sin. And if you truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and you truly believe that He's coming back as judge one of these days, as the Scripture says He will, he will. Hey folks, that is enough to cause anyone to repent of their sins. If they read about the judge that I read about in the scriptures, they would be repenting. The problem is people have a false repentance. They have a false salvation. They have a false sense of security because they are worshiping some idol that they have concocted in their own minds. And they call this idol Jesus. But it ain't the Jesus of my Bible. It ain't the Jesus of the Scriptures. It's a Jesus that says, you can do whatever you want to and you'll be all right. It's a Jesus that says, that says, you don't have to repent. It's a Jesus that says, continue on in your sins. Never mind what Jesus told that woman that was brought to him in adultery when he said, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Never mind that he said, go and sin no more. Never mind that, folks, we sin every day, but we don't go out and we don't waller in our sin. We don't go out to the pigsties and, and, and roll around in the filth. We don't go to the places that we once did. We don't act the same way we did. We don't, we don't hang out with the same people that we once did. Why is that because when we are born again we are made new creatures in Christ and new creatures in Christ don't do the same old things they do what Jesus says they do what this Bible says to the best, the absolute best of their ability that's what a new creature in Christ does folks, there's a whole lot more we can learn from this thief on the cross remember me Remember me is what he said. Remember me is what Jesus said. Do this in remembrance of me. Folks, we should never, 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 ever forget our Savior. I should never forget my Savior. But we're all guilty of it. Every one of us have. 